Warning, this podcast uses explicit language. And if that's the thing about this show that gets you angry, you really need to reconsider your outrage priorities. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by our Pope Francis Physical Description Contest. Today's winner is Tom Jones, who had Droopy Dog Got Dosed with Joker Toxin. Well played, Tom Jones. You uh, got to be careful when you party with Heath Ledger. So keep tweeting us your favorites using the hashtag PopeScathe, and you could be our next winner. And now, Scathing Atheist. I'm Chris from the Podunk Polymath Podcast, and we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men, unless you're from the South, in which case, we ain't come from no damn apes. It's March 30th. And wooey Christians who thought about rape was too long for iTunes. (laughs) No illusions. (laughs) I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is The Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Dunning Freddy Krueger will rise again and haunt our Facebooks. We examine the role of desserts in deciding how much you enjoy a penis. And we'll somehow manage to be bored by a holy book to the third power. First, the diatribe. I spent an unhealthy amount of my life planning for time travel. No idea why. Pretty sure traveling into the past is physically impossible, and if it isn't, I'm definitely not going to be the person that time NASA picks to represent the people of the 21st century, and yet my mind constantly wanders to what-if scenarios that involve me finding myself in the past. And much of the time, there seems to be some kind of urgency in those thoughts, like, I better be ready just in case. Right? Like, take language, for example. Language changes over time, and the less literate people are, the quicker it changes. So even if you send me back to an English-speaking location, I don't think I could go back more than a couple of centuries before there was a significant language barrier. And even though this question could legitimately compete for worst possible thing to waste your time considering, I still worry about that shit. But the time travel question my nomadic train of thought spends the most time ambling down is the what could I teach them one? I mean, think about that, right? Even a moderately educated person from an industrial society today could teach the most brilliant person in the world of 1917 quite a fucking bit. Kind of an empowering thought, especially if you're racked with the kind of intellectual inferiority complex that informs my every word choice. I mean, imagine walking into a college 100 years ago. We're not talking about the distant past here. We're talking about a few years before my wife's grandma was born. But even in that geological eye blink, the scope of human knowledge has advanced so far, you could walk into every single department and instigate a half dozen breakthroughs in an afternoon. You know, And I don't have to assume some crazy high education level to make this work. Average American with a high school education could do this shit. You know, think about plate tectonics. They didn't have that shit sorted out in 1917. Whole field of science dealing with rocks, and they hadn't really pinned down where mountains come from. Now, you might not know enough about plate tectonics to give them all the details, but even a half-remembered Nat Geo special would be enough to get the great geological minds of the earliest 20th century on the right track. 
In 10 minutes, you can unlock the secrets of mountain formation. You can explain earthquakes, teach them about subduction zones, explain areas of high volcanic activity, and validate the theories of continental migration. And that's assuming you really don't even know what you're talking about. If you're a geologist, you could put them a full hundred years ahead. You can walk into the astronomy department and tell them what quasars are and, and where they'd find the first exoplanets. You can walk into the biology department and say, it's called DNA and it's a double helix, motherfuckers. You can walk into the school of medicine and tell them about penicillin. You can walk into the theology department and tell them all kinds of cool stuff about astronomy, biology, and medicine. Right. One department's immune from this example, isn't it? Because even if I went back to what a complete compendium of all human knowledge, I wouldn't have any great advancements in theology to disclose. You know, no important discovery that could set them ahead a 100 years. No experimental design I could offer up to push the knowledge of God into the Silicon Age. Is an academic discipline immune from advancement? I mean, look, even the non-truth-based disciplines would be able to benefit in some ways from our theoretical time traveler, right? At literature, music, visual arts, they're not whittling away at fundamental truths about the world. But if we could show them all the literary styles and artistic forms and stuff that came over the next hundred years, they'd at least have a bunch of new ideas. They'd at least walk away from the meeting with more than they walked into it with. And, and they freely admit that there's no definite, like, progress in their fields but theology pretends to be studying a real thing you know they pretend that there's a thing called god and that they're looking into it and yet nothing that has happened in the past hundred years would even matter to a discussion of the world's preeminent theologists in 1917 i, I mean historical and scientific discoveries would undermine their discipline quite a bit so they could get some advance warning to get their resumes out and stop taking new students but there's no way the field itself moves forward there's no way it could move forward there's no next step to take when you're not starting off anywhere in particular we're talking about an academic discipline that has contributed nothing to our modern understanding of the world it has contributed nothing to our artistic interpretation of the world if it weren't for its tendency to hamstring other disciplines it wouldn't even garner a mention in the last century of human advancement and despite that harvard princeton and yale sully their good names with whole divinity schools they offer all the real degrees plus that one in fact the u.s has well over 200 accredited theological schools that is significantly more theology schools than law schools by the way only a like 203 of those and way more than medical schools that stands at about 125 but you know what the hell has medicine ever done for us and, and, you know, look, I get that people with theology degrees occasionally contribute to other fields, you know, it might help make advancements in history or textual criticism or ethics, etc. But Eli's fuck away your Lyme disease business occasionally results in orgasms, too. It doesn't exactly justify the business model. We're talking about whole colleges devoted to something that is at its most benign, completely useless. And let's be fair, it's rarely at its most benign. And to demonstrate that, all we have to do is go back to our little time travel experiment. Because we've been focusing on all the stuff that I could teach people if I went 100 years back. But imagine if I could go 500 years back. What could I teach them? Well, the answer is nothing. Because as soon as I tried, some religious motherfucker would tie me to a stick and set me on fire. See, the problem with theology isn't just that it doesn't advance, it's that it does its damnedest to keep everything else from advancing too. Advancement threatens its very being, so pretty much all of it had to happen despite a theological counterweight. We had to reach a certain level of a-religious before we could achieve a certain level of knowledge. And if the steady stream of advancement of human knowledge that we've seen over the last few centuries ever hits a wall, I can guarantee that religion will be the mortar holding that motherfucker together. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin.
Joining me for headlines tonight are the Abbott and Costello of atheism, Heath Edright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, who gets the cancer and who gets the fatal heart attack? <laughs> um, well, according to MetLife, the answer is Eli. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The medical term is Oreos for blood. <laughs> Go veganism. <laughs> blood type is triple stuff. All right. So uh, moving on to headlines in our lead story tonight. From the anal P-Robes file. We haven't had that right. one in a while. Exciting. Yeah. Host of the 700 Club and melty forehead flavor ice cream cone, Pat Robertson. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he tastes like melty forehead? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, you do. I do get it. You do get it. <laughs> so uh, Pat Robertson made a big prediction about the future of American healthcare during his show last week. Oh, how'd that go? Yeah. Um, so according to P-Robes, get excited. The GOP's attempt at a bill to replace Obamacare was definitely going to pass last week. <laughs> yeah. And that's because God wanted to give Donald Trump a victory. Well, well first, he wanted to give Trump a two-month losing streak, but then a victory. <laughs> well, well yeah, now that he's all humbled. <laughs> Trumpy, Trumpy, Trumpy. <laughs> For those Rudy who don't know, that's a, that's a part of American history where we elected the wrong president. <laughs> part of him. Should have known his limitations. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, I didn't hate the game show host. <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right, so uh, just in case anyone has not been following the story, Robertson did not get this one right. So uh, if you're keeping score at home... You still won't need to make that second column yet. Just take another look on the one you've been using. Because less than 24 hours after the big prediction from P-Robes, Paul Ryan had to pull the bill before the House even voted. Right. Uh, also, uh, Robertson seemed to think the House is the same thing as the Senate. So, actually, give him two marks in the wrong column. The column. The column. Yeah, right. Give him another mark. Talking about a man who probably does worse than chance when asked about binary personal opinions, right? Like, <laughs> like he gets paper or plastic wrong, is what I mean. Jowls? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm picturing him chipmunking his way through the grocery store, and I will never be unhappy again. <laughs> fuck the diatribes all up. And uh, speaking of people with only one column, Donald Trump is also batting about... 200 points below the Mendoza line of 200 points. <laughs> Wait, do baseball players steal each other's jokes? Is this a thing I missed out on? <laughs> That's Mencia. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Similar Latino name. Uh, in uh, baseball terms, below the Mendoza line by 200 points, that means he's a complete failure. Yes. Um, oh. Or in political terms, we would say a complete failure. <laughs> and uh, while we're on the subject of complete failures... Let's not forget that the God of the universe couldn't whip the votes he needed to make poor people die faster. <laughs> that's what he wanted. It's not great. But in fairness, he did manage to create a bill he couldn't pass. So that's yeah, something that's like a rock. He couldn't, yeah, we finally have an answer for that. God is no Francis Underwood. But now I'm just picturing him summoning like Louis Gohmert to a mountaintop in a dream. And he's like, three words, Louis. Sorghum grain subsidies <laughs> in Texas. Sean Spicer's up there too. I'm sorry. I heard gum. I heard gum. <laughs> and in rhymes with third news tonight. 
Pope Fran, sorry about all the dead tutus, ranked third on a recent list of Fortune's greatest leaders this week. Third. Really? But wait, wait, before you get mad. No, not really. <laughs> uh, okay, rude. I said wait. <laughs> the first was... Uh, Senator Palpatine. <laughs> ooh, ooh, close in physical appearance, but no. Uh, no, it was Theo Epstein, president of the Chicago oh, Clubs. Fuck him. I was close. <laughs> right. I hate that guy. He's so good at his job. God damn. Right. right. So the standard of the job, or at least being the greatest leader of the world, was uh, <laughs> sucking any amount less than the guy before you. And in that sense, I would say he is third best at that, but only third. Like whoever that guy was, whoever the guy who was Fuhrer after Hitler was probably number two. We're thinking about it. Uh, I think that was Churchill. It was Churchill. Either way, I feel like Mike Pence is getting like pre-snubbed here somehow. Yeah. I mean, don't worry about it. He's too busy getting his nose cut off to really make the Voldemort look happen to be bothered by this stuff. But I appreciate you looking out. I like Biden. And while the magazine made mention of Pope Francis, everyone's still mad about the kid fucking things, willingness to acknowledge that gays, women who get abortions and people who get divorces can feel incredibly sorry and get into heaven. It was his, quote, critique of capitalism without conscience that ensures his enduring influence, end quote. Well, huh. uh, I guess Bernie's LLC didn't apologize for raping kids enough <laughs> hard to figure out the exact criteria the other guys who also do that and don't rape kids if, phrase if it was mercy side skeptic should have been top five that's all i'm saying <laughs> what, top five kids yes <laughs> they five high top quality kids. five top high kids. quality <laughs> Yes. So again, just to reiterate, the man who lives in a golden city built on the backs of dying ignorant masses, encouragement of business leaders not to edge in on his territory makes him the third greatest leader in the world. Yeah. In the world. He was down from one from two years ago. Right. Yeah, one. right. Exactly. Can I, am I allowed to get upset now? Am I allowed to admit how grossly <laughs> I overestimated how long the image of fucking Pat Robertson putting groceries in his jowls was going to keep me happy? I'm yeah, still happy about the, that. It, it, his message of <laughs> compassion to all those fucking poor people in the overpopulated AIDS ravaged parts of the world that don't have enough condoms. It's his work on behalf of those people. You know, that's Ugh. what rates him above Melinda Gates, Angela Merkel, John McCain and Shakira. She's on a lots of work in early childhood education. She deserves her spot. She doesn't harbor serial child rapists. A lot of stuff to like there. Also, her performance in Zootopia, breathtaking. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's see the fucking Pope top that. No voice. Hey, work. it's a me. I'm a rabbit. Now. <laughs> Don't fight other rabbits, maybe? I didn't see that movie. When reached for comment about the kid raping, toilet tanks full of dead babies, genocide, and Nazi gold, Forbes said, quote, yeah, we're bad guy magazine. What did you expect? End quote. And then dropped me down a trap door into a tank of piranhas. So, yeah. Luckily, the rancor was injured at the moment. And while Eli recounts his harrowing tale of escape for the patrons, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. 
It's nice when the Abrahamic faiths all line up in the same week to remind me that they all deserve every ounce of shit we give them. Now, obviously, I tend to focus on Christian misogyny because that's the kind that most directly threatens me and most of our listeners. But it's not like they're even the industry leaders. So we'll start off this week in Israel, where the Jews have continued their long and proud tradition of photoshopping vaginas out of history this week. And dare I say, they may have outdone themselves. I've talked in the segment before about the time they removed Hillary Clinton from the Situation Room photo after the raid that killed bin Laden. And the time they wiped Angela Merkel out of the pictures of the Charlie Hebdo march. And most recently, we talked about the lady-free version of the IKEA catalog offered to vagophobic Jews. Well, it turns out that not even Smurfette is immune to their childish bigotry. According to an article on the Friendly Atheist blog, posters for the upcoming Smurfs, The Lost Village, will exclude the blonde-haired, blue-skinned harlot. Focus Film selected to voluntarily remove the image so as not to send young, ultra-Orthodox men into riotous orgy of unrestrained Smurf lust, because they've long since given up on being taken seriously. But of course, I've got a Christian here that makes that seem downright benign. You may have seen the story of Oklahoma State Representative George Fault. Yes, Fault. So this asshole has a bill, HB 1549, that would outlaw abortion in the case of genetic abnormality. Find out your kid is going to be born inside out, live for eight hours in unspeakable pain, and then die? Well, tough shit, little lady, because George Fault is pretty sure God wouldn't do that to a kid without a pretty good reason. But the part of his defense that garnered the bulk of the media attention last week was the part where he applied the same logic to cases of rape and incest. When asked if he thought rape was the will of God, Fault answered, quote, Well, you know, if you read the Bible, there's actually a couple circumstances where that happened. The Lord uses all circumstances. I mean, you can go down that path, but it's a reality, unfortunately. End quote. So in summary, yes, God's crazy rapey. And to wrap up tonight, I've got a double whammy for you. It's out of India, and it's about Muslim women. So there's pretty much no way for this not to be misogynistic. So as it turns out, in India, they take the Quranic divorce laws pretty seriously. You literally just have to say your wife looks like your mom's ass, and you're divorced. The technical term is declaring talak. You say that word three times like you're summoning Beetlejuice, and poof, you're divorced. No courts, no contracts, and 95% of the time that a divorce happens this way, no child support either. I probably don't have to point out that this rule only applies for men who want to instantly dissolve their marriage, but I did anyway. Fortunately, a number of human rights organizations in India are pressing the nation's Supreme Court to abolish the practice, because in a country that's pretty sketchy on women's rights and Muslim rights, these suddenly unexpectedly divorced mothers don't have a lot of options. So now that I've got you good and depressed, my work here is done, and I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in dead wrong news tonight, according to a new meta-analysis published in the journal Religion, Brain, and Behavior, atheists and extremely religious people rate basically the same when it comes to not fearing death. Let me say that again for the people in the back. Atheists who entirely accept their mortality and recognize that death is final— fear death to the same degree as people who say they're absolutely certain death is a portal to an infinite paradise compared to which a century-long orgasm would seem like a mildly tasty cracker. My results were thrown out. Looking forward to death threw off the median. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. And uh, I'm looking forward to eating crackers later. 
That's pressure. Well, that's the whole point, right? This revelation has, of course, led many to wonder how this could possibly be true unless religious people were utterly and inexcusably conscious of how full of shit they were. Hasn't led anybody to answer that question, but it's prompted a lot of folks to ask. Anyway, to be fair, most experts interpret this as a product of certainty. Atheists and devoutly religious people score relatively low on fear of death indices and moderately religious people and agnostics rate fairly high. So the relationship is clearly one between anxiety and uncertainty. That being said, it's worth harping on the fact that eternal paradise and worm shit are equally good at reducing that anxiety. Yeah, this would be like people equally looking forward to our New York City live show and the eternal silence of death. Way to slip. Hey, uh, what's up, Eli? You've been working on your uh, your vision board? <laughs> hey, hey, at least I have a vision board. What do you want, Heath? What do you want? I, I said already. Crackers later. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I want to add a few caveats here, right? Because this is a meta-analysis and you always have to take those with a grain of salt since, you know, they're trying to mesh data collected with wildly different protocols. Mm, vegan blood cures cancer. Yeah, so, yeah, for example. <laughs> now, on top of that, Virtually all of the data came from American subjects and the only religions that they were dealing with were the Abrahamic ones. So these results are far from like universally applicable, but they apply to pretty much everybody who might be listening to our show. And one way or the other, they're a knife in the heart of the whole like religion makes death easier to deal with bullshit that even atheists often offer up as like a defense of faith. Yeah, I don't understand how it's comforting to pretend your loved ones are ignoring you. Like, I have a disappointed Jewish parent. Why Why would I want to extend that? I don't... <laughs> My parents love me. <laughs> you should have played more sports. Or been better. Yeah. I'll play. have you know polo is the sport of kings! <laughs> <laughs> should have been better at polo then. <laughs> and finally tonight, from the Build-A-Wall-Now file. We've got two big announcements from right-wing pastor and ruggedly attractive man who kind of fucks up this part of the format, Lance Wallnow. <laughs> wall, build a wall now. Crush yeah, it. No, I got it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll give you guys the option. Would you like to hear about alt-right pedophile sympathizer Milo Yiannopoulos or conversion therapy dessert foods? Mm. Those are the two options. Tough call. So we have, on the one hand, rusty trombone appetite or... My low point in your life suicide sure would show us Yiannopoulos. Listen to me, Milo. It's the only way. Um, either of them lend himself to pithy pun work. So I'm going to have to leave this to Eli. Tough, tough call. Mm, okay. <laughs> I do need to balance the blog where I admitted he's human. So let's pin the tail on the transphobe. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry, but we were looking for C, none of the above. <laughs> yes, the we were. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, this segment isn't quite over. So we're going to talk about both of those things. Despite the correct answer being, don't do that. No. Uh -huh. uh, okay, so first the Milo thing. Last week, Pastor Wallnow praised Milo for, quote, exposing the tyranny and fascist spirit behind the progressive left, end quote. And uh, just to review, the pastor's talking about, I guess, the tyrannical fascism of the don't rape kids movement. That's which, the one. Which is liberal and progressive, apparently, so... <laughs> Checkmate us, I guess. It's definitely anti-religious. God, religious people say such stupid stuff. Can you imagine being part of a community like that? It must be so embarrassing for religious people to have their leadership say such reductionary, obviously untrue bullshit about the left. God, so good to be an atheist. So great. 
Are, are you crying? <laughs> We're supposed to be the good guys. <laughs> it was so easy. We didn't even have a God to blame. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that ended up leading to uh, Pastor Wall now declaring he's claiming Milo in the name of Jesus. What? Whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, it what? sounds weirdly similar to a person choosing the pedophile publicist on the playground for kickball. <laughs> That's because it was pretty much exactly that. I'm not making this up. Walnow's next sentence was Red Rover, Red Rover, call Milo over. That's real. Wow. That's what he said next. And, and by the way, if you contrast that with the way that's usually phrased, you'll see he's reinforcing the message that it's okay to be gay as long as you don't come. Ooh. <laughs> it's okay. Milo will defend that position at his next lecture. If only someone would debate him. <laughs> All right. Well, that leaves us with the big news about what to serve gay people after dinner if you want to have some hetero sex with them later. <laughs> Ooh. Advice for reason, Con. <laughs> And the answer is not roofies. It's conversion <laughs> therapy cake. Uh, cheaper. I'll explain. According to the pastor, a group of prostitutes got saved and decided they wanted to help out the gay owner of the bar where they sold sex for money that Lance Wall now knows detailed stories about. Right. And, and um, refused to mention the name of, just saying. <laughs> No, he did not mention the name. So uh, they baked the guy a cake and did uh, penis vagina prayers over it, I guess. <laughs> and when he ate it, the guy got taken over by the power of God and became straight. Wow. That's the story. <laughs> Sounds legitimate. The unnamed bar. Okay. Well, if there's cake that makes you straight, we're going to need some of the opposite to get all the gay people back. So let's put 30 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Ideas for the gay brothel with gay-inducing desserts go. Fruitcake. Obviously. <laughs> it's too easy. Um, Ho-ho's. There's the cream filling. <laughs> um, about Nestle whorehouse cookies. Just the chip. Just, Just the, for a second. Yeah, Just to see how it feels. Um, well, we're, we're, we're coming in through the Christian, so how about condemned brulee? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> chocolate poos cake. <laughs> um, board. Jello pudding pops? <laughs> well, and thanks to the Washington State Supreme Court, we can't use Lac Flores Gateau anymore, so I've got nothing. I, I've got to bow out. Uh, at least a B-cup. Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about uh, the best little s'more house in Texas? <laughs> Les's s'more. Two girls, one cupcake. Yeah, we had, to, we had to get that in there. <laughs> there we go. Now that the two ladies have gargled, I suppose we can close out the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Eli's wedding band is from Zales. Oh. <laughs> never. Never. Racial slurs. No. No. Slice. Slice. Don't listen to him. He's covering up his child bride. He's covering up for his child bride. <laughs> And when we come back, we'll try to rehash the holy babble jokes we made about Isaiah in this week's Book of Morons, and I hope you don't notice. He did, though. <laughs> Different outro. <laughs> freely admit that the post-Quranic sense of elation that we got when we realized the Book of Mormon had stories in it has started to lose its luster. 
After a couple of promising chapters of comically homicidal brothers and early onset Alzheimer's God, we've settled into an early 19th century charlatan who underestimated how much new shit you need to equal a book. And I'd say in many ways, the suffering really began this week when we made our way through 13 verses of, and then Isaiah said, Ugh. If the next book is just like Nephi reading the Quran, I'm going to quit, but Mormonism is the best prank ever. <laughs> yeah, <also. laughs> right. But we're going to power through anyway. And to do that, I'm going to need the help and moral support of my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, welcome back. Happy to be here, but mostly because being here means I've already read all this dumb shit. Yeah, right. So when we last left our heroes, Jacob was copying off Isaiah's homework and filling pages with shit that's already written down elsewhere. And that's all he's going to do for 13 more fucking chapters. Yeah. And, and again, he's predicting history and getting it wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joe Smith decided to copy the part of the Old Testament that says there's going to be no more wars in the Middle East here. Any, any <laughs> minute now. Right now that Kushner's on it. <laughs> I just feel like he should have picked a more likely book of prophecy. You know, like the one where the stars fall out of the sky and there's sword mouth Jesus. <laughs> That's a better one. And then we get a quick reminder about the white power theme. Uh, basically, just in case the Old Testament wasn't clear on this, they want to remind you. Um, well, it was, but they're going to say it anyway. Um, no fucking the brown people. Yeah. You're going to want to fuck the brown people, but don't. <laughs> yeah. White genocide isn't funny. Joseph Smith and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then he goes right back to that. Uh, <laughs> he really does. Yeah, remember yep. when I said don't fuck the brown people like a second ago? Quick thing on that. Uh, they have a bunch of golden horses and stuff. So <laughs> if you're like, you know, pillage fucking on that. <laughs> but otherwise, you know. Gross. Fuck. Don't. And if you want a great example of what a wordsmith Joey isn't, verse 9 of chapter 12. He's explaining what's so evil about the brown people, and he says, quote, And the mean man boweth not down. End quote. That's all he's got. The mean man. Yeah, it's like getting <laughs> cussed out by a seventh grader speaking a second language. And and that's the turn, right? He's like, well, sure, they've got a lot of gold and treasure and impressive members and they're better at sports than us, but they're not very nice a lot of times. <laughs> that's my new professional wrestler name, Mean Man Martin. And I've <laughs> never been pinned and it's gay porn. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, then you have to been pinned. <laughs> And uh, this is also where it says that all the dudes who, like, keep beating you at golf and chess and poker. And um, Mario Kart. And Kart. Yeah. Brothers. Uh, well, God's going to fuck them up pretty soon. Good. And uh, and if anyone named Joe ever says for any reason that the sun was in his eyes, like during <laughs> chess, for example, then he was telling <laughs> the truth and he gets to do over. Mulligan I want to watch a tennis match between Kim Jong-un, Muhammad, and Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a million points and there are 95 <laughs> there are points too. Right. Well, then he pads his verse count by listing all of the high up things he can think he of. Does. He's like, people who are high will be brought low. People who are high like towers and mountains and hills and treetops and giraffes and uh water slides and, and uh <laughs> yeah. scrapers and shit. Day. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh when God finally gets mad at the not Joe people. They're all going to run in. Do I have this right? They're all going to run into mountain caves and then give away their gold statues 
to the moles and the bats? That's sure. what he says. The sure. Well, first they're going to stop home and grab their gold <laughs> collection. And then the cave thing with moles and bats? <laughs> Pictured a bunch of moles. Like, I'm sure it's lovely. I'm blind, of course, but I'm sure it's quite nice. I didn't get you. I didn't know we were doing a thing. No one told me about this. I don't read. Awfully heavy. No, it's great. I do like it. Where... Did you get it? <laughs> no, I like calves. I like calves. And then it's off to chapter 13, where we can listen to more of Jacob's book report on Isaiah. And it starts with yet more people that are going to get what's coming to them when God gets home. Included in that list, by the way, is the eloquent orator. So, um, yeah, Joey's been doing this long enough to be angry at people who can word write. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get it. Those people can be actually very judgy. You can't take them anywhere nice to eat. Well, just a single place where they'll serve you a Coke without asking you to settle for an organic carbonated root cleanse. I'm just thinking maybe one of those one time and maybe we... Re she was willing to juice the root at the table. <laughs> at the table. <laughs> All right, so... Uh Back to the prophecy from Joe Smith. Uh, this is where it says that one of the punishments from God for the Jewish people is going to be uh, baby tyrants. <laughs> baby tyrants. <laughs> like the most adorable enslavement ever. <laughs> Bring forth my animal quackers. <laughs> yeah. What a crazy, unbelievable claim. Childish baby tyrants. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, also part of the prophecy, shitty people are going to be annoyingly proud of themselves. Like, uh, woe unto thee, I, I plague thee with the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> Maybe we do the Bible again, huh? <laughs> Tom Cecil did big, big best secret. That guy's not no. right. <laughs> and apparently it'll get so bad at this point that just not being naked will qualify you for kingship. Okay, yeah. guys, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> We should stop. All right, all right. Well, here's one that's definitively wrong. I want to point out the sheer stupidity of this endeavor. Okay, when Isaiah wrote the prophecy that said Judah would never fall, it hadn't fallen yet. But when Joseph Smith copied it back down into his book, it had. So like, you're doing, you could have put an asterisk in there or something, maybe. <laughs> and uh, it also says that nobody's going to be able to hide their sins. It's going to show on every man's face that they've sinned as badly as the guys in Sodom is what it says. So just a review. That means you either tried to gang rape two angels or you gave your daughters to that gang of rapists that wanted to gang rape two angels. So what do you think that face looks like? <laughs> Sheepish grin? What are you about? Well, when I read it, I was picturing a face tattoo of two dudes fucking. That's what I was that really just, obvious. Better. And you promise that has nothing to do with my new face tattoo. I, I make no such promise. <laughs> Neither did I. And as if the baby tyrants were bad enough, in verse 12, we learned that even women will rule over them. Ew, gross. Blech. Oh, finally. <laughs> One of the prophecies didn't come true. Good. <laughs> did it say anything about those women's emails? No, it didn't say anything there at all. Okay. Also, although that wouldn't be the most anachronistic thing that shows up in this book. Also, more of that great wordsmithery here. Verse 15. What mean ye? Ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor. Yeah. Keep in mind, he can't hide behind translation here. He's just that bad at sentences. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, also, if you're wondering why your Jewish girlfriend's head is bald and scabby. Don't bring her up around a little sure everybody was thinking about that. You'll, you'll be glad to hear it's probably because her neck wasn't slouchy enough while walking <laughs> in public. Point being, subservient posture is the rule. And now maybe she'll learn. Yeah. That's what God's going to do to fix it. Fuck that, dude. And as I'm reading this shit, I can imagine every frame of Joseph Smith's YouTube channel. (laughs) He's talking about how all the women are too haughty and walk around in their little outfits just begging for it. And that's why God's going to give them scab head for, you know, all the haughtiness. And the neck thing. Yeah, exactly. And and again, (laughs) this is such blatant verse padding, right? He literally lists all the lady stuff he can think of in multiple verses. Verse 19, and the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers. Verse 20, and the bonnets and the ornaments of the leg, whatever the fuck that (laughs) is. And the headbands and the tablets (laughs) and the earrings. Verse 21, and the rings and the nose. We get it, bro. All right already. (laughs) Which brings up the very real question, who did Joseph Smith know with a nose ring? <laughs> uh, also, he wraps all of this up with, and everyone will smell bad. It's like doing Mad Libs with a kid with emotional problems. Just like, uh, butts again, huh? Okay. Now I know why you needed a big brother. You're not a big brother, are you? No, I got rejected. Oh, good. Oh, good. I was like an advertisement for them. All right, I feel better. So moving on to chapter 14. Uh, This is about when everyone's supposed to get redeemed on the millennial day. Not sure what that would mean in like 550 BCE. (laughs) Counting up to zero, all excited about doing AD and then you get the 400. Like what? Yeah, but and on that day, thou will be unable to. You literally won't. Clap hands, clap hands, clap hands. And I guess it's it's meant to be a threatening part here. Not not really sure. It, it says that seven women are going to grab one dude and and then promise to pay for all their own shit and all ask to be called by his name. Is is that a bad thing? Is, <laughs> is it a threat? Yeah, I never understood the Isaiah curse about how seven women baking one dude's bread. Uh, I mean, I, I get how that's a curse for women. That kitchen would be so fucking crowded and you couldn't do anything. But it seems like a good deal for the guys. Right. I'm just saying. I don't think they'll mind. As someone whose wife watched three seasons of Great British Bake Off and made him eat the results of her experiments the following three days, I would like to say you are all fools. You are all fools. She does not listen to this show. <laughs> and then from there, we learn that all of Jerusalem is going to get engulfed in a giant fireball. But, but like in a good way. Yeah. Like <laughs> force field right. or something. Yeah, exactly. And it, it won't even be too warm. Like, there'll be plenty of shade from the giant firewall <laughs> under the yeah. tabernacle. Right. And the firewall will also apparently burn off all the stank from the pussy of the daughters of Zion. So, yeah. <laughs> good looking out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay. Help me out on chapter 15 here. It starts off with Jacob. I think it's still Jacob talking anyway, saying that he's going to sing us a song about a vineyard. So um, my question is, is this chapter a musical number? I, I definitely sung mm. it to myself. Okay, me too. Yeah, to the tune of Linger Lingers by the by Cranberries. The cranberries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I thought you just had the hiccups. <laughs> Irish hiccups. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I, and I guess you could loosely dub this a parable, but basically God made a vineyard, and even though it's a good vineyard, we're shitty grapes. 
So fuck us for not being better grapes. Yeah, though, no, there's a very pro-temper tantrum angle here. It's like, yeah. God tried everything with you fucking grapes, so now he has no choice but to stomp on you and set you on fire. Huh. Who knew Grape Escape was Mormon propaganda? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that game? It was a board game about torture. Had a, wait. Missed out. I don't think you were playing it right. <laughs> <laughs> was that a typical Bosnick family game night? Yeah. It's like? a real... Board game about torture of grapes. You Google it. Go there's a board game about grape torturing. When you guys played Operation, did you have a board or just a... Never mind. Um, <laughs> now, of course, dangerous operation. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Joseph Smith. So eventually he loses track of his own analogy, the vineyard thing, and he can't remember what's supposed to be what... So by verse 9, it descends into, like, full parabular chaos. <laughs> it's actually worse than that because he's borrowing the analogy from Isaiah and just doesn't get it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think he gets that the vineyard is supposed to represent Jerusalem. He reads Isaiah and says, yeah, if God stumps on your vineyard, they'll be really thirsty. Take that, <laughs> grapeless assholes. <laughs> it's like if someone had to dictate Game of Thrones out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really wish I could have seen your family game night. <laughs> it's a real thing. Tweet it at him. Tweet All the you. videos have been destroyed. Right, and this chapter also gives us one of my favorite anachronisms. He's talking about how decadent all the evil people's parties are. And he's listing the musical instruments they have at them, which include the viol. Um that's a in, that was invented in the 15th century. Like all old was the same old to Joseph Smith. <laughs> Just listing the Twitter handles of people he doesn't yeah. like. <laughs> and Nephi also said, "Fuck at so and so." All right, I think Eli's not having a great. I feel like you want one of us to ask, uh, "Who are the Twitter handles of people you don't like?" Oh, oh, no. <laughs> You want to write a holy book and start your own call? <laughs> Let's write a holy Stop book and start your own call. Stop encouraging him. I feel like there was a big cut just now. Big <laughs> cut. I had a list. <laughs> All right. So, so here, uh, chapter twenty. He also laments those people who would call good evil, evil good, light darkness, darkness light, bitter sweet, or sweet bitter. What seems like an um, odd mix. Anyway, uh, like. <laughs> One of his lackeys promised him those candies weren't sour the other day or something. And still totally harboring a grudge. He's at a Thai restaurant with an untouched plate in front of him. How hard is no spice? <laughs> no spice. The name of the restaurant is Spice. What Shut up, Hiram. Shut up. <laughs> it's a Thai restaurant. And then we close on a long series of people I don't like are so fucked passages. And then we're off to chapter 16. Woohoo. And in this one, we get Joseph Smith's telling of Nephi's telling of Jacob's telling of Isaiah's telling of God's testimony in a vision. That's true. Uh, this is someone telling you about their dream to the fourth power. <laughs> so that's fun. I think this means I have to fuck myself in a dream that I never described. I'll, I'll consult the council. I don't. Ask Andrew. I'm not ready. Sounds like a phone call. I'm going to get it like two in the morning. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. She doesn't listen to the show either, huh? And and then we get a... a, a Edit, Morgan. Thank you. <laughs> and then we get a six-winged seraphim, because why the fuck not? So then God makes a big entrance with dry ice and an automated door and slow solos into one of his old songs to start. <laughs> he knows how to work a crowd, is what I'm saying. If you're not imagining Jesus doing the fake James Baldwin can't go on thing at the cross, <laughs> you're missing out. I'm just saying. 
And also worth mentioning, just when Isaiah realizes he can't talk to God with the same tongue he eats pussy with, a seraphim comes along and burns the sin out of his tongue with a hot coal. Or, or maybe he just made him eat it fucking spice. <laughs> All right, I need you to not bring this to work. Just how hard is it? No spice. Don't add the spice. Food is not naturally. I don't want to do this. Okay, well, I wasn't there at the Thai place, but your coffee order at Starbucks the other day appeared to involve a notary. (laughs) (laughs) It's a soy peppermint mocha with five pumps of mocha and four pumps of peppermint and 110 degrees because soy milk burns at 120 degrees. No whipped cream, extra shot. It's not that hard. You've got a cup right there. Write it all down, Jamika. (laughs) Write it all down. Did you get the periodic table at one point? (laughs) (laughs) Boiling points. He had boiling points there. Yeah. (laughs) And then God orders Isaiah to straighten out all them rowdy Jews. I just thought we had to get back to the book eventually. Sorry. I don't want (laughs) to. But then we do get to chapter 17 where Ephraim and Syria wage war against uh, Judah here. And it's even more stupidly out of place here than it was in the Bible, too. But yeah, he he had to fill these pages with something, I guess. Well, and the only reason he bothers with this shit is that this is the part of Isaiah that the Septuagint mistranslated young woman is virgin in and accidentally created the Christian religion. (laughs) So he kind of had to have that. Just ancient Noah to ancient Eli. Okay, one job. You got this, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then like a thousand years later, Muslim Eli is like, I heard my ancestor did something just like this. What if I put raisin instead of virgin? <laughs> Fuck with it. And I didn't remember anything in the Jesus prophecy about Jesus eating butter and honey. What? But it's there in this one. Yep. It sounds like some kind of stupid cleanse. Exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from Jesus, right? The oh, butter and honey Mormon cleanse. I want Jesus as your friend's fat girlfriend, the TV show. I am in. <laughs> Hold on, though. Do you guys ever have a butter and honey sandwich? It's like the, literally the best thing. Actually, it's it sounds so pretty good. good. Oh, Actually. I can't have oh. health insurance. Or you just, <laughs> or you dip the stick right into the honey jar. It's like, <laughs> it's like carrots and hummus, but enjoyable. It's great. <laughs> and then uh, moving right along here, God threatens to shave Assyria's beard, I guess. Also, the land will be filled with briars and thorns, and there'll be a lot of milk. It's weird details. I can't tell what he's going for here at <laughs> yeah, all. Right? Thorns and Look, milk. As someone who hates hiking and is lactose intolerant, I'm picking up what Joe's putting down. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> you shouldn't pick that up. No, leave it there. <laughs> Don't touch that. <laughs> uh, and then we get chapter 18 of Second Nephi, a.k.a. the Cliff's Notes of chapter 8 of Isaiah, where God asks Isaiah to write more shit down. And a quick tip. Um, you really need to read the stuff you're plagiarizing. <laughs> yeah, and CJ. You'd, you'd figure that would be guaranteed in like 1830. There's no like control C, control V. But <laughs> I mean, this is where he copies a part of the Old Testament that basically says, if someone starts fortune telling, like using a magic hat, for example, and then we get another chapter of how awesome Jesus will eventually be. Motherfucker ever gets here. Yeah, but he wants to make it very clear that the Jews are still fucked. Mm. You know, God's about through with those assholes, but the one who turned Christian will be okay. Once again, real issue here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, it doesn't sound great. I I get it, but um, how bad is that advice over the next hundred years? (laughs) (laughs) We're being perfectly honest with each other. Okay, let's stop. If if we're going to stop, let's stop. Let's stop and do a different (laughs) book. There's lots of wrong books. (laughs) (laughs) 
And and then while he's talking about how saved the Jews definitely aren't, he says that, quote, the Lord shall have no joy in their young men. I get it. All right. The prediction stuff is right. It's all right. Yeah. No. Do a different. Rest assured, God's reserving that for the Catholic kids. Uh, Also, if you look closely between the lines, you can see the shape of a 12-year-old sister wife. It's like a magic eye. (laughs) I love it. I love, too, that throughout this whole bit, he keeps trying to talk about how great it'll be when Jesus shows up. But he's such a bitter asshole that by the end of every chapter, he's bitching about people he doesn't like going to hell again. Yep. Yep. Like every homeless guy ever to do the same thing. (laughs) And I told him. All right. uh, Yeah. It was pleasant for a second, man. (laughs) Right. And then we're on to chapter 20. So Joseph can post dick Isaiah postdicting the fall of Assyria. Yep. That's Stupid fun. squared. I love too how the Jews give God credit for the like Medes and Persians knocking out the Assyrians. I mean, that's already silly enough, but now you have the Mormons taking credit for that. Mm-hmm. It's a Russian nesting doll of crazy. <laughs> for those who don't get that joke, see episodes nine through eleven of Hardcore History <laughs> and Noah's Childhood. Hey. <laughs> and uh just real quick, getting back to the nesting doll. Uh I was picturing like a Putin, and then Trump, then a, a hooker peeing, <laughs> and then a, like a leaked warhead. <laughs> Finish it off. I couldn't do that. I was too busy thinking, May, those episodes are about the Battle of Hastings and Winston Churchill. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. Some guy at home right now, thank you, Noah. Jesus. <laughs> Ruining the Bronze show. Age one. There was also a Bronze Age one in there. He said 9, 10, and 11. <laughs> Then God takes a moment to give us his, uh, if I did that shit to Assyria, what makes you think I won't do it to you speech? And then he's just like, he's repeating himself inside of repeating himself at this point. He, he just, he tells us about Jerusalem's firewall again here. And that fire will burn away all the thorns, which begs the question, really, what if we just burn away the thorns ourselves? <laughs> got that out of the way. They're already flammable. We have fire. God knows that we do. Yeah, he's seen it. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, it. not the thorns. What's the stuff in the spray bottle? Um, <laughs> tears. <laughs> <laughs> Everything burns away. It's just a Jewish guy with his, his dick stuck to a black baby and a rabbit. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's like, see? Mormonism. I told Ew. you. Old-fashioned racism. That's a racism callback. <laughs> Like in my it. childhood. Yeah, exactly. Three tar gentlemen are going to be like, I remember when that story was okay. <laughs> tar baby's not actually a slur. Ask John Kerry. <laughs> also, eventually all the animals will calm the fuck down and stop <sighs> killing each other. That's in this book. It's a weird section. Yeah, I don't get it. Yep. He, he's got bears suckling off cows and lions <laughs> eating hay. And, and this what fucking chapter is ridiculous. Finally, a part of the Book of Mormon worthy of its own Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, there's a... A leopard fucking a kid. Pretty it sure really says that. It, yeah, it's there. I mean, maybe it means a baby goat. <laughs> the kid, but that's still a leopard that's fucking a baby bad. goat. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Live action Mormon Peace Theater this week. <laughs> I already got those outfits. I call goat. I call goat. Oh, <laughs> I had already called leopard. Good. Picture sure it didn't happen. Good. Even better. You'd never fit into my leopard, leopard costume anyway, Eli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he uses the term. <laughs> He uses the term root of Jesse in this one a lot here, which makes me think root didn't have the same connotations back then, maybe, or 
It did, and this book is just way better than Yeah, right. There's a lot more gay porn hiding in there than we thought. Maybe. And we get this tiny little afterthought, God is good chapter that's all six verses long for 22. And says nothing but, and boy, how about that God, huh? Yeah. (laughs) God, God, he's our man. If he can't do it, jingly keys. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for a few words on the fall of Babylon, too, because people dying in mass is kind of, God's things. So uh-huh. Let's get back to that. Well, and it's just another screen about people being real sorry when God says their face is on fire for not listening to Joseph Smith. I mean, if we've learned anything from the Middle East. <laughs> well, I don't know. Kiss from a Rose made a fortune. That's a good, <laughs> not clear. That's a good song. Did very well. And in case you were wondering what God was going to do to wicked Babylonian children when the time comes. I was wondering. <laughs> it's dashed them to pieces before the eyes of their wicked parents. Huh, the good right. guy. Cool. Right, with Thomas and you guys looking on and talking about how statistically this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the parents are right there and it doesn't help. Okay. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> also, though, he's going to rape their wives. In his mercy. In his mercy, he's going to, yeah. <laughs> of all mm-hmm. that kindness. And, and yeah. in one of the Bible's most outlandish prophecies, it says here and reiterates in the Book of Mormon that nothing will ever live where Babylon was except for owls and mythical creatures. Hmm? Satyrs, owls? dragons, you know, <laughs> the stuff that lives an hour south of Baghdad today. <laughs> Ridiculous. Everyone knows there's no such thing as owls. <laughs> I'm not even 100% sure you're kidding. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure I'm kidding. <laughs> Have you ever seen an owl? I, yes, I have. Liar. <laughs> You're part of it. <laughs> I'm part of owl. big owl. <laughs> All right. <Ooh>. Let me... <laughs> and then we move along to chapter 24 here. Um, we get our final Isaiah rehash chapter before even Joseph Smith gets bored with it, uh, which will be the last chapter of our reading tonight. Hallelujah. Amen, sister. And the important takeaway here is that in the end, the Jews win, but by not being Jews anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then when the unJew Jews take over the world, even the trees will sing their praises, which a lot different than what the trees say about the Jews in the Hadith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two trees tweeting back and forth at each other. <laughs> so it, it's okay to attack a Nazi with uh, an axe. I think that's what the other thing. I'm not not saying that. Stop encouraging <laughs> him. Of course, Joey can't rejoice in the peaceful time to come without dwelling on all the people who laughed at his dick burning in hell. Yeah. So we have to get a few verses of that, too. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. His, his dick burning in hell or his dick burning in hell? Like a, like a dick bonfire. <laughs> Like really hot dick stew? Well, I figured you'd put what? it on a stick and hold it over the... Are you reading a Muslim <laughs> translation? What's happening? First and weenie. Uh, it's probably worth noting that this revenge fantasy continues on after the smited person is dead, by the way, and lingers on what kind of fucked up shit God's going to then do to their corpse. Yeah. This is what we call the Schlafly effect. Here. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yeah. And now that it's too late to wrap it up before Eli makes a necrophilia joke. So we always get wrap so Wrap it up anyway. I'm sure something worse was yet to come. So we're going to take a blissful break from this book for the time being. The Book of Morons will be back in three weeks where we'll finish off Second Nephi and hopefully not have to recycle our Isaiah jokes again. No, we'll probably read about Layman reading Jeremiah next. <laughs> guys thanks for coming camping with me this weekend no problem this is going to be the best weekend ever yeah for sure 
What was that? What was that? What? Okay, seriously, guys, I'm starting to get a little freaked out over here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Not so fast. Oh, God, who are you? It's me, the ultimate monster, Dunning Freddy Krueger. Oh, God, you're that guy that goes into your dreams and stabs people, right? Oh, shit. Oh, no. Way worse. I'm really confident about a bunch of bullshit, but too stupid to learn about my opinions. Do you guys know black people have lower IQs? Uh, wait. What? Yeah, it's true. No, it is. That's easily disproven mathematical bullshit. Well, then, um, how about this? This is an article from blackpeoplearedumberthanwhitepeople.com. That's a website? That's not an argument. Oh, shit. Did you write trans people are mentally ill on my Facebook status? Ah, oh, shit. Mine, too. Really? Dude, gender identity disorder is not a real thing. Is too... Okay, look, here's the actual page of the DSM-5. The page where that would be. No. Um, I only believe in hard science, not soft science like psychology. What? But how could you... Uh, I would have preferred the stabby guy. Me too. I have a degree from the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I love recording when Eli's having a bad Facebook day. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it always yields a sketch. <laughs> Before we snub out the roads tonight, I want to remind everybody that Diatribes Volume 2 is now available as an ebook, and the paperback should be available by the time this episode drops. If not, keep an eye on the website and our social media, and you'll see a link as soon as it clears all the various hurdles that it has to clear. Also, we could really use some glowing reviews for the book. If you haven't read it yet, hey, it's diatribes. You've heard those. You know how much you like those, right? So if you have a minute and five stars to spare, you'd be really helping increase the visibility of the book and the show, and we'd very much appreciate it. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and a new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting 24 hours after that. Obviously, I'd be guilty of gross misconduct if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for all the sleepless nights crafting Mormon dick jokes. I need to thank the lovely Lucy also for sleepless night and dick related stuff i need to thank eli bosnick for eventually conceding on most of the 4 a.m ideas that would require a forklift and 90 yards of chicken wire also want to thank chris from the podunk polymath podcast for providing this week's farnsworth quote and for inviting me on to talk about christian cinema this week if you haven't checked out his podcast yet there's never been a better time to do it unless he's had a guest on that you like better than me in which case it's probably best if you just keep that to yourself anyway i'll have a link in the show notes but most of all of course i need to thank this week's best people gwen nikki oivan joe ian robin tony graham david john Peter, Brandon, Hellbound, Kangaroo, Gennaro, Josh, and Grant. Gwen, Nikki, Oivan, and Joe, whose brilliance is so notorious, Deep Blue preempts games with him by warning him that he hasn't played chess in a couple of years. Ian, Robin, Tony, and Graham, whose martial arts are so advanced they could train a fly to catch people with chopsticks. David, John, Peter, and Brandon, who will never be able to send dick pics unless they turn that damn Hubble earthward. And Hellbound, Kangaroo, Gennaro, Josh, and Grant, who have so much brains, hearts, and nerve to spare the Wizard of Oz had to get public assistance. Together, these 16 sultry secularists and mischievous marsupials mitigated our meager and moribund means this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the generosity, compassion, and or live fetus pouch it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll 
more early access to an extended ad-free edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you promised your money you wouldn't spend it on anything you couldn't pee on later, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else to let you leave a five-star review. Uh, not sure how we're doing on Yelp yet. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skinningadius.com. I was just picturing a rancor completely eaten by piranhas. <laughs> God damn it, I told you we shouldn't have mixed the punishments. <laughs> Okay, that's on me. Honestly, that's on me. I feel dumb. Rancors can't even breathe underwater. (laughs) Maybe the bones will be scary. No, now I'm just 2020 hindsighting. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.